0: read some verses and then pray and ask the Lord to minister to us. Starting in verse 17, let's start there. So they all ate and were filled, glutted. They were impacted by this miracle. They didn't just take a sample at Costco. You ever go to Costco, you take a sample, you're hungry, you know, you made a huge mistake. I'll eat lunch after I shop. We need two carts, you know, don't do that. And ate, you know, they ate so much, they oh, they were glutted. And 12 baskets, verse 17, of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. Whoa. Little backpacks, little souvenirs, little fanny packs, whatever they had, I don't know what they had. They had little, little, you know, knapsacks full of bread. They had nothing prior. And, and they gave to Jesus what they did have, very little, very, very little, and did whatever he said. And Jesus said, I'm gonna take care of it. And he took care of not only them, but everyone else. And not only them a little bit, but them a lot bit and everyone else a lot bit. They're glutted. When are we gonna get this through our heads? This is how Jesus is. This is how he is. In in the the soul issues of our life, in the heart matters. He says, hey, trust me, do this. I don't know. I don't know if I can. It's tough. It's tough to, to deny myself and die to myself and serve this individual. Just do it, do it, do it for me. Forgive them, love them, give to them. I don't have very much forgiveness to give. Got a, got a little bit? Yeah, it's just a little bit. Perfect. And the Lord multiplies it. And yet we're so skimpy, aren't we? We're so stingy with, with our forgiveness and our joy and our, our service towards people. I don't, I don't know, I'll, I'll be, man, I'm going to be so bummed out when I serve and give in this way. And the Lord says, where did you hear that from? The very first lie ever told, ever, 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 was a question. When Satan asked Eve, "Did God really say? Did God really? Is God really good? Are you sure He's good?" And she's like, oh. she started scratching her beard. No, she didn't have a beard. She, she wanted one, but she didn't get. It. She didn't get one. And she started wondering, I don't, I, "Is God good? I don't, I don't know if He's good. I, what do you mean? If he's, is He good? You know, good." And we get that same question. The Lord says, "Here's what I want you to do." I don't know. I don't know if that's good. <laughs> what? You, where do you get that life? What the Lord says to do, when you give it to him, when you just trust him, what's he going to do with it? He's going to multiply it. He's going to fill you. He's going to fill everyone. He's going to do it. And I want you to grasp this this moment. All four gospel writers included this story. They were impacted bodily, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And yet, we're going to see a deepening of their roots in the next text. More! They need the lesson taught to them again. They need more teaching, more instruction, more direction, more leadership. Has God impacted you ever in your life? You guys have been impacted by God? You're at the 9 a.m. service, so obviously yes. He has made it. But then, do you find yourself like, yeah, I could, I could take a little more. I got some more questions. I'm absolutely changed. I'm totally. Changed. I've been filled. I've been glutted. I've been just man. But I, I kind of feel like I don't know anything. I kind of feel like I'm still just at the brink. I kind of feel like I'm at the Grand Canyon looking down, and I just threw a rock over. I've got a ticket for it probably, but I threw a rock over, and I'm trying to fill it. And I, you know, I, I made a little bit. That's my deposit. Oh, man, that's going to take a while. You know, that's kind of how I feel when I look at the Word and look at the Lord. I'm like, wow, well, I've been impacted. I've been touched by the Lord. But I feel like a little kid sometimes trying to go, go deeper. Jesus knows that. Look at the next verse, verse 18. And it happened as he was alone praying, that his disciples joined him. And then he asked them, saying, who do the crowds say that I am? And so they answered and said, John the Baptist. But some say Elijah. And others say that one of the old prophets has risen again. (laughs) Jesus must have been amused. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter, maybe with his fanny pack full of bread, Maybe with bagel crumbs in his beard, you know, smelling like smoked fish. You know, that's what you know. He Peter Peter answers. He said, "You're the Christ, the Christ of God." You guys know that Christ is not Jesus' last name, right? Jesus Christ. I'm Luke for shed. This is Jesus Christ. You know, <laughs> Christ is not his last name. Christ is a reserved title for one person. It's a position, the, the Christ. The Christ. Who who do who do you say that I am, though, Pete? You're you're the Christ of God. Whoa, that's that's a big statement, Pete. (sighs) He, He nailed it. He got it right. As a matter of fact, in the book of Matthew, same story. Jesus look. He spins. He looks at him. What? What'd you say? And he points at him. He says, "Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you." He didn't read this in People magazine. Pick this up at Bible college. My father in heaven revealed this to you. What? It was a divine, deep revelation. Pete's, you know, chewing his bagels, like, huzzah? You know, it's a big deal. And then Jesus goes on to elaborate I'm going to build my church on that simple foundation that I am not Elijah, not John the Baptist, not a prophet. I am the Christ of God. And Jesus, he, oh, that I like. I could build a church on that theology, that doctrine, that declaration, that simplicity. Then Jesus does something crazy. He's always doing crazy stuff. I mean, be honest. Do you think Jesus does crazy stuff? Is he crazy? Do you not have an opinion that is different than Jesus like every single day? I mean, every single your timing's different, your ways are every single day. We're like, oh, I think of this. And the Lord's like, that's dumb. Well, You know, who's the crazy one? We're the crazy one, really. Here's what he does next. Verse 21, and he strictly warned and commanded them to tell no one this. What? You're the the Christ of God. And he's like, quiet. You're right, but be quiet. And at that point, you're like, okay, not sure what you're talking about. Because we should go global with this. We should go public with this. Peter would have pulled out of his back pocket some business cards he had pre-printed, thechristofgod.com, you know, like, I'm ready to go big. And he's like, no, 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 no. And I can't tell you exactly why Jesus said no because I wasn't there. I I would say it was a timing thing, most of all. We'll talk about that when we get there. Then Jesus goes on to say something even crazier. Verse 22, don't tell anybody because the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised the third day. We've read this before. You've studied it. You know it. What would, when you first heard this ever, this is the first clear allusion to Jesus' true purpose. He's not Elijah. He's not J the B, He's not a prophet. He is the Christ of God, and he is marching toward the cross of death. And right then, you're the 12. You've seen miracles. You're about to go global. You've rented billboard space. Jesus says, don't tell anybody. I'm going to die. And you're like, none of that makes any sense (laughs) at all. What do you mean? You're the biggest, best thing that the world has ever received. You're the bread from heaven here to feed everybody. And you're marching towards death. And you guys know what happens. Peter, in Matthew chapter 16 <clears, <throat> clears his throat. <clears throat, puts his bagel back in his knapsack, and he, and he puts his arm around Jesus. Says, Can we take a walk? Can we take a walk? And he walks Jesus off to the side, and he begins to counsel Jesus, says, that ain't him. I'm going to make sure it never happens. I will make sure this never happens. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan, for you know not what you speak of You're mindful of things of men, not the things of God. And then Jesus goes into what I believe a sermon that had a volume level that increased a little bit, okay? You can believe your own version. I think Jesus was kind of fired up. You don't really have the ability to call somebody Satan without kind of raising your voice just a little bit. You know what I'm saying? It's not like one of those loving, you know, hey, Satan. You know, it's just kind of like, it's a, you know, yeah, it's just, that's how I look at it. And he begins then to go into the rest of the sermon, which is, I think, a smaller abbreviated version than we see in the book of Matthew. But it goes into this, what are, you, what are you thinking? You gotta deny your life. Take up your cross daily and follow me, man. What are you living for, here? Are you living for here only? No, 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 let's just be honest, how many guys live here right now?
1: <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
0: Like, Wait, well, I live here, I live, you know, I gotta, I live here? He says, don't, don't just live here only. Live here radically above the noise on purpose. For if you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you are okay losing your life for my sake, you'll find it. And here he is asking the disciples who he is, taking them deeper. They've got backpacks full of Fran's bread, man. They're good to go. They've seen crazy stuff. And yet it's almost as if they don't know nothing. They're just, and I'll tell you what, it encourages me deeply. Because I've got my own storehouses of cool stuff the Lord's given to me. Just cool. So do you cool stuff, man, the Lord's delivered me from this, and I just, I find myself sitting there looking at who I am, and my, my family, and my kids, I'm like, whoa, I don't deserve any of this, I, I had nothing, and I gave it to the Lord, and he's more, oh, and yet then I look ahead, I'm like, but I don't know what's going on, I don't know what's next, I need, I need more, and so I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and we're gonna study this portion out, Father, it's in Jesus' name, and we thank you so much for loving us, for inviting us here today. And we pray, God, that as we come into your presence, into your word, you'd be glorified and honored just at that, just that we would show up here wanting to learn learn about you. This isn't a social club. This isn't some place to meet people. This isn't even a place just to feel better. This is a place where we come in and we sit at your feet and say, what's true? Remind us. It's where we sit at your feet and say, Lord, would you examine me and see if there be any wicked way in me and, and and then heal me? I need help. There's people here today that need help. They need deliverance from sins, from fears, from from shame and regret. And may we let you take all of that. May we not argue with you. The disciples were so good at arguing with you. It's crazy. Yet, I see it too in my own heart. I see it in my actions. And so Lord, we repent as one. We desire to believe you, to know you, to live for you. Thank you for your word, which will help us do that. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that is here now. Thank you for the fellowship of the saints that we're not alone. We're doing this together. What a cool community, up and down the coast. What a cool group you've given to us to be a part of. May we never take that for granted. Instead, may we relish in the unity that is enjoyed in Jesus. Bless this time now, Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, these guys had just experienced something amazing. And yet, moments later were challenged to their core. Moments later were asked a question by Jesus, who do men say that I am? In order that Jesus would set up the greater question, who do you say that I am? In order that the other questions, you guys realize there's questions all day long, you're faced with questions, like, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? What are you know?" And when you answer that one question, who is Jesus. Okay? all other questions find their answer in that one question being answered well. When you answer that one question well about Jesus, all other questions can finally be answered well. Let me just say it a different way. When your answer about that one question, who is Jesus, is not answered well, okay, no question will ever be answered well in your life until that one is answered well. You can't be right with God until you're right with Jesus. I'm not, I mean, he's, the, he's the way. He's the truth. He's the truth. He's the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. Those are His words, okay? Take it up with Him. <laughs> or just go to the door and knock. He's like, I come in? He's like, yeah, come on in. We're having dinner right now. Bagels, you know, whatever. Bagels and lox, you know, smoked fish. It's going to be great. <sighs> These guys were impacted, and yet they still needed a- another lesson, a refresher course t- to go deeper. And I'm telling you what, I've been doing this for long enough where I've just started to settle into that kind of routine where no matter what I know, I don't know enough, okay? The Lord has more for me. And this will motivate you for Bible study, for fellowship, for life groups, for prayer time, for accountability, for confession of sin, for book study, for whatever, when you just realize at the beginning of your day, I don't even know what's going on, what is happening, you know? And don't run right to your iPhone to figure it out. It won't tell you. Instead, run to the book, the good book. Say, Lord, here I am. Like these guys did, Jesus begins this portion praying. And while he's praying, it says that his disciples come and join him. In the King James Version, it says while he's praying alone, his disciples are already with him, okay? They're already there. I'm not sure if the new King James translators didn't like that and couldn't handle the fact that he was praying alone with people. You ever been alone with people? I'm not talking about your marriage. I'm just <laughs> kidding, I'm just kidding. You know, you've been alone with people? Jesus was alone in prayer, and his disciples were right there. And I just love this scene. He's praying. What's he praying for? I believe he's praying for them. Because he's about to ask them some serious questions. The question about what do men say about me is, isn't that serious of a question. Okay, it's like, here I am and here you are. What are they doing? Who cares what they're doing? And Jesus asked that question to set the other question up. Who, what do you say, though? What is your cognitive, ontological, foundational Conclusion of who I am. And whenever I ask people about Jesus, well, what do you think about Jesus? They tell me. I say, why do you think that? Where did you get that? You can tell them they're missing church right now. <laughs> I, I just ask them, where did you get that from? Where did you come? You know, National Geographic, you know, Biology 101. It's just what I believe. But what do you mean, it's just what I believe? Next time you get pulled over by an officer, okay? And you're telling him why you were going that fast. Well, I just believed it was that speed, you know? I just thought, you know, make my own rules. <laughs> okay, here's the citation, and you're under arrest. You're, you can't drive anymore, you know? You can't make up your own rules. And Jesus is asking the most important question in the entire world because on it hinges the rest of all the other questions. And I just love how Jesus is so patient with these guys. If you don't think Jesus is patient with you, you're not going to enjoy Christianity. Okay, you're going to get weirded out. You're going you're gonna to look in the mirror one day and you're going to be all frustrated with the person you see. Oh, darn it, man. I look at myself in the mirror. I look at our staff here at the church and I know Jesus is patient. <laughs> and he's got a, a sense of humor. You know, he's, like, he's, he's funny. He's a funny dude. And he loves us, he disciples us. And if you don't get this, I saw this yesterday. I was in Sun River yesterday and I was at the uh, shark kind of aquatic center there and my kids were playing and I was doing a ministry weekend. I had a wedding to do over in the Sun River area and I brought my kids with me in an effort to help them not hate the ministry because their dad's gone all the time. So I said, hey, kids come with me and this'll be great. Said no one in the ministry ever, (laughs) I'm just kidding. So (laughs) it was crazy. We had this little room, with these full beds, Not, not Queens, full beds. And me and Noah and one and the other two kids, I forget their names and the other one, you know, and, and they were like cats fighting all night, and it was just, it was awesome, you know, anyways, I was at the pool yesterday, the kids were swimming on one end, and I had my Bible out, and I was reading, and I saw these, these families all gathered there, and these little kids were standing in these little shooters, you know, eh, you know swim diapers on, and these moms were filming, oh, 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 you know, I was just watching. You know, baby, you guys ever had babies? Raise your hand if you're in baby mode still. And we're just going to lay hands on you and pray for you. You know what I'm saying? Babies, man. I had three. Now my youngest is six. And babies are intense, man. They just suck all the life out of you. <laughs> and I was watching these families film this nonsense, you know, these babies in swim diapers, you know, splashing in the face. They were, it was, all. The, oh, you couldn't have gotten any better. I also saw the exhaustion on, like, the dad's face sitting there, you know, hoping that this thing would drown him, you know, and it you know i just I, maybe i'm making all this up. this is what i saw and i just i saw this joy in the parents hearts toward their little kiddos and then i saw i was like you know god thank you thanks for letting us raise kids for letting us be around kids those who don't have kids we, we, there's kids everywhere and god's allowed that to be part of his system and when you have a kid you, go, you give them everything you got you know forever and they take everything you have and more and yet we volunteer for it. We're like, I'll take some of that, you know. I'll take three of them, you know, times three. And I just, I, Lord, you're so, kind. this is how God looks at us. Like little kids just coming to the fountain, you know, and just in our swim diaper. And, and he's just excited about that. He's, he's joyful over the little baby steps you make in the faith. And he allows, everything God created in, in creation is a principle or a picture of who he is and what heaven's like in his heart. Okay, it's all there to illustrate him, all of it. Even families, the family dynamic. Okay, adoption, foster parenting, all that, the family dynamic of his love and appreciation and pursuit, father's love, the mother's love, all that's there. And I just, I started thanking God for, I was reading this portion, as Jesus is like a dad, here's the boys, you know, eating bagels, and they're getting tummy aches, you know, and he, also, he's, he wants to take them deeper, to disciple them. And if you can look at your life in that way, like I said, I had my kids with me yesterday, what was I thinking you know, it was awesome. My wife had a little, you know, staycation at home and, you know, did stuff. And, and it was 36 hours. I just wanted them to be blessed and, and, and to take them. To, as a matter of fact, it was cool. I was there at the pool, and the lifeguard came up to me. And he starts pointing at, you know, the other direction. Is that your kid over there? You know, I'm like, uh, probably no, no. <laughs> you know that? Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, what's going on? He's like, yeah, that one right there, the one, of the, you know, that's the. is that your kid? I was like, yeah, that's my kid. He said, well, I just want you to know he's very kind and very polite. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's for sure my kid. That's my kid. All the that was definitely my kid. What are you thinking, you know? <laughs> uh, the other two, they were in the t- penalty box, you know. And God, God takes us deeper. And I, I don't know where you're at right now. I, I've, I've got a lot of, lot of living ahead of me. i got a lot of things I want to see done in my own life, okay, not just my life. I'm, I, I'm a short-timer if you would. I got little kids. I want to see a lot going in their life. They got a whole bunch of stuff. Just praying for Noah and Nemo and Acacia this morning. Lord, these guys, who are these kids? What are they going to be like? What's, what's the future for them? Getting excited. Do you think Jesus looks at you still that way? If you don't think that, then your life's probably pretty boring. Okay? You don't ever shoot for the stars. You don't ever shoot for the moon. You don't ever shoot for the roof. Okay? You don't ever do anything. You just, whatever. Well, I, just, I didn't do it right. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't play my cards right when I was younger. I, didn't, you know, I started late. What? Look how Jesus is laboring with these disciples, pulling them deeper. He always has more for us to learn. Look how he does it, though. Look in verse 18. And it happened. As he was alone praying that his disciples joined him. I don't have that much time to talk about prayer, but the first thing, the most important thing I'll say is, is that Jesus prayed. And if Jesus prayed, we probably ought to pray as well. I don't know how your prayer life looks right now, but I would imagine that you could just get some encouragement or exhortation from Pastor Luke today to pray more, okay? Jesus' disciples only ever asked for help in one thing in their life Lord, would you teach us to pray? They didn't ask for help doing miracles, they didn't ask for help in preaching, they didn't have any problems there, witnessing, they didn't have any problems in ministry. They said, you know what? You know what our biggest struggle is? We don't pray very well. And I I wish I could tell you that I pray really well. I wish I could say, Pastor Luke does. You You know, I don't. I don't pray very well. And and I'm not ashamed of that because I don't want to have that shame, but I do want to be encouraged. I want to pray better. I want to grow in that. And wouldn't it be awesome if you've been saved for a year, 10 or 20, and you could say today, yeah, I don't pray well enough. Lord, would you help me? I think that would be a cool spot to start. Jesus prayed. What's he praying for? Well, his disciples show up, or should I say he engages them either way. The conversation goes from prayer upwards to prayer sideways. He's praying for them that they would have spiritual insight to the question he's about to ask them. Who do you say that I am? Quick question. Who are you wanting to have that conversation with in the future, and are you praying for them, and would you consider doing so? Pray for the people that you work with, that don't know Jesus, but you want them to, the people you live with. I'm gonna say it a different way. Pray for the people that you think know Jesus, but don't act like they know Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Jesus is praying for the people (laughs) that are, he picked as apostles, not be apostles. And he's going to ask them, kind of like an elementary, kind of, you know, day one question, like, who do you say that I am? This is two years into the deal. Two years in. So, too, there's people in your life, maybe even yourself. You need to pray for yourself to have the right answer to this question. Let me just say something I said last week. I'll say it a little differently. Uh, Last week, I taught you a doctrine called the hypostatic union. That is, Jesus is both God and man at the same time. Okay, and so he had his deity that was his, but he also had humanity that was his. his and it was his hindrance, if you would. He decided to put on a skin suit in order to relate to you and I, to resist sin and temptation and the power of the Holy Spirit, and then to pay for sin and failure, even though he had none for you and I. That's why he took upon humanity as himself. Okay, it's called hypostatic union. There's another doctrine called kenosis. Kenosis is that Jesus, on purpose, took his deity, even though he remained God and wasn't robbery to be equal with God, Philippians chapter 2, but he put it aside and then relied upon the Father and the Holy Spirit for all things supernatural. Okay, it's called kenosis, that he just, he took his 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 deity and set it down. He chose to put a skin suit on with limitations. And anything supernatural he experienced was from the Father or the Holy Spirit. And so when he asks these two questions, here's your thoughts for the day. Was Jesus just messing with them, because he likes to mess with us, or was he truly looking for information? Did he not know what the people were saying? Good question. Did he really not know? Was he not on Twitter? You know, was he not on Instagram? Was he just, you know, doing his thing? Wait, what do people say about me anyways? Is this just a lead up question? And it is. Or is it just him messing with them? And it is. Or was he really looking for information? I don't know the exact answer there, but I would say it this way. And this is where the application comes in. Jesus didn't know on purpose. He chose to not know everything. He chose to be led by the Holy Spirit and to gain information through conversation. Now here's where it's going to change your life. You probably don't tell Jesus a lot of things because he already knows them. Here in this time, though, in this time, this model, this example, he said, no, I want you to tell me stuff. I actually, want, I want you to bring it to me in prayer. And yet you and I are so linear thinking and just so fast-paced, well, God knows. God knows. You know, I'll really only pray when it hurts really bad. You know, when my only, I'll just like yell, pray. You ever yell, pray, ah, you know. I would challenge you to do it differently this week, just this week. What if this week you decided to pray, listen, just go with me, as if God doesn't know what's going on in your heart. Let's say he's chosen to not know. I'm not saying that he has, but let's, say, let's, let's just say you prayed in that way. I'm trying to give you guys a, a, a fun ticket to a new prayer life. What if you decided to pray out loud even about the stuff you're going through that that you know he knows you're going through, but you began to converse with him about your day, about your stuff, about your issues, and see if you, because prayer changes two things, doesn't it? It changes our outcome. It changes what's in front of us. That's mostly what we pray for, okay? That's fine. It's above your pay grade. You know what prayer also does? It changes you. You don't need to raise your hand, but how many of you guys need, need to change? You need an attitude adjustment. You need, you need, you know, right thinking. Imagine, it comes through, in my opinion, test me. Pray out loud this week. Find a spot, okay, get up earlier than the other humans in your house. Pray this morning, me and the only other living being that were up this morning at 5.45 was the dog. And I was there drinking my coffee and I was praying out loud and the dog's laying there. Dog, the dog looked up at least six times. Who are you talking to? And pretty soon the dog just got up and started walking around, looked at me, <laughs> looking around like, who are you talking to? It was pretty fun. You know, I just kept talking out loud, just praying for you guys and for today, and just for all the normal stuff, nothing crazy, just the stuff that's going on in my life. And I had a really good morning, me and that dumb dog, you know, and I really, I, was, I, had a good, I felt good. My challenge to you, pray to God this week about the things that you're already convinced he knows about, and now you're just... Angry at the results. Frustrated. Nope, God knows what I need. He's obviously dragging his feet. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Talk to him about it. You'll feel better, okay? Your wife and kids and dog will think you're crazy, but that's fine. We all know you're crazy anyway, so thank you. Look at verse 18 again. And it happened, as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him, and he asked them, saying, Who do the crowds say that I am? funny that he didn't respond to any of the answers there are so many opinions about jesus i don't have time to talk about it but make sure your opinion is founded and grounded in the bible okay you don't get to spin it you don't get to add anything to it your your, your opinion isn't necessary the, the facts are in the declarations are clear it's very simple make a decision Quickly, they say to Jesus, I'll just read it to you so you can say, verse 19, so you can see it. So they answered and said, John the Baptist. But, some say Elijah. Others say, one of the old prophets has risen again. Th- these, these ideas of Jesus, by the way, maybe, and I, I've, I had to repent earlier this week. I had a lunch with some friends of mine. I go to church here. They sit over there usually, sometimes there, one time there. <sighs> and uh, we were talking. They were giving me their testimony. They said they can't believe how much they've grown in the last couple months coming to church here. And how their Bibles used to have dust on it, like that big, you know. Now they're reading and they're, they're gaining revelation. And, and they told me about how they grew up in, in Christian homes, but without Jesus. I had no clue who Jesus was. No clue. They grew up in all the... No clue who Jesus was! And as I sat there, I was like, are you kidding? But you grew up in a home that... In a church and you, and you don't know? You didn't... You don't... And how many... I'm, don't look around, but how many people here going at this 9 a.m. And at the next 11 a.m. And at the 6 p.m. You go to church, you don't know Jesus. You don't know him. You think you you do. And that that may be offensive, but it should be alarming to a degree. I go, I want to make sure I know him. Some of the people who were right there with him, that's John the Baptist right there. Yep, look at the way he preaches. Talking about the law, do's and don'ts. Jesus talked about all that. And they concluded that's who he was, John the Baptist. There are people today in churches, maybe you who are law-driven, who wanna just talk about fire and brimstone and hell and damnation. You've seen these people maybe you grew up that way, maybe you even have a little bit of that. You don't understand this whole grace thing. I was in Portland about three weeks ago praying for the Axe guys on Tuesday night, and Eddie Townsend and I decided to catch a Blazer game while we were there, and as we're walking into the Blazer game, and they lost by one of the Memphis Grizzlies, anyways, as we were walking in there, there were these people with big signs, you know, Turner, Burn, and their loudspeakers were louder than anything you could hear, and they were yelling at people, saying how God hates sinners, and Eddie and I looked at each other, hates sinners, hates sinners. Hates, hate. And we, we just resisted the urge to go talk to them and engage and you know, help them understand. It was just, it's the, I've done that before. I've, been, I've talked to those guys. It's just, and there are people who are convinced that God is wrath only, anger, law. You, you've seen that. Eddie pointed out wisely. He said, I bet you in their hearts, those guys who were preaching there at the Blazer game, which, by the way, they were also... Not last night, but the night before, at the Moda Center, Salem, somewhere. Again, the same crew at the Winter Jam, which is a Christian concert of Christian bands for Christians to enjoy. And here they are at the Christian concert, telling, <laughs> "I'm like, pick a different crowd. These are the this is your team. We're we're on." I went to a Hillsong concert, okay, in in Portland, in Hillsboro, something like that, two years ago. And they were there telling people to repent. I'm like, we already did that. <laughs> you know, we're we're paid money to go worship Jesus. We're we're cool. You know. Anyways there he's john the baptist he's angry he's mad john the baptist was the last old testament prophet okay under the old covenant okay he didn't have a message of grace he did not he prepared the way for the one who would have that new message he also said that some think you're elijah man okay you're doing miracles you're crazy signs and wonders you're doing stuff and there are christians who would love for jesus to be elijah They would love for him to be the one who does miracles for them and signs and wonders and healings. And this is what it's all about. Did you know Jesus rarely healed in the context of how much he could have healed? He rarely healed. Matter of fact, even Elijah in his lifespan only did 16 miracles that are noted. Don't read, I would love miracles. Wouldn't you love to have more power and greater miracles? God says, no. Don't look at confused. They'll, they'll seek signs and wonders. They'll have an immature faith. That, that's not the road or the route that I'm going to lead in. Otherwise, he would have. He would have came in that spirit of Elijah, and there are people, whole churches and denominations, frantically seeking after miracles. He's like, nah, I'm not, that's not who I am. The, the last group, though, that he was identified with was one of the prophets. Now, the prophets in the Old Testament were both spiritual and political. They would receive words from God and lead the people, but they would also give those words to the ears of the kings and I wonder if people looked at Jesus and said, oh man, finally we got ourselves a Republican. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And You know, finally we got ourselves somebody from the independent party, you know. And, and they, they were hoping, this guy, this guy. And there are people, churches, individuals. Jesus would say, what do you think the whole agenda down here? Well, politics, legislation, got to get some, you know, got to make America great. I could do that. I just don't think that, Heaven flips over for that kind of ideology. I personally don't. Jesus then asked this question, verse 20. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. This is the one question that will answer all other questions. As we are praying at the 8.30 prayer time, Kat, our worship leader this morning, prayed that all of us would be blessed in that identity we have in who Jesus is. When you have your identity in Jesus, okay, you, get, you got rid of your own identity. Who do you say that I am? You're the Christ of God. You're the Christos. It's not your last name. You're the Christ. The Christ was one person who could save all persons. The Christos, the Messiah, the sacrifice. When J the B, his cousin, saw Jesus, he said, Oh, behold, the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. What? And when you have your identity there, everything changes. And until your identity is there, everything will be the same. You'll go to a church. You'll attend, nothing will change for you. Your marriage won't change. Your, your life won't change. Your heart won't change until you are identified in Jesus. And your roots grow into him. And all of a sudden, your fruits that come out, whoa, I'm rooted in him. I'm abiding in him. And the fruits are coming out. And when that happens, you can then work forward and you can get through junk and you can find yourself standing at the pool, fountain flowing in your face with a swim diaper that needs to be changed. And because your identity is in Jesus, it's good. You're doing good. He's got a fresh diaper for you when you get out. He's going to grow you and he's going to teach you. I pray that you would know who Jesus is. The first question, what do people say? What do you say? It's, it's almost like that question we ask each other. Oh, you go to church? What church do you go to? Isn't that the question we ask? What church do you go to? I mean, you can tell a lot by people from what church they go to. But usually, rarely ever do we say, oh, who's Jesus to you? You know, wouldn't that be a radical follow-up question? What church do you go to? I go to the Nazarene church. Oh, cool, who's Jesus to you? I go to Radiant church. Oh, cool, who's Jesus to you? I go to South Beach church. Cool, who's Jesus to you? You know, and what your answer is, is telling and Jesus, didn't, he doesn't care what church you go to. He doesn't care. He cares who he is to you. You can go to any church you want as long as Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ. Not one of many, not a J the B, not a prophet, not an Elijah type. And Jesus asks this question, and Peter gives him the answer. The Christ. And this is what Jesus got excited about in Matthew sixteen. It's elaborated. It's it's where Jesus begins to then build his church. And I believe Jesus will build your life from ground zero up. When you just surrender and say, You're you're the savior. I don't need just a little bit of political advice and a little bit of, you know, reformation and you know, I don't need just a little bit of reform in my life, and I don't need just a miracle. I need to be saved. Again, having lunch with my friends on, on Thursday, it was, it, was, it was humbling to realize how many people grow up in, in Christendom in America and don't know Jesus as the Christ. And if, you, if you're here today, I do not want you to leave with that question being unanswered. Who is Jesus to you? But who do you say that I am? And you better have a biblical answer. A biblical an- This will help you in the rest of your decisions. Don't, anybody making decisions this week? Holy smokes. (laughs) we got some decisions to make, don't we? Big decisions. Some are planned. we got a big decision coming up. Others are on the fly. An opportunity. Oh, what do I do? I don't know. Are you a Christian? Yeah. Well, you know exactly what to do. Who's Jesus to you? He's, He's the Christ. It will make you make the right decision. Don't you sometimes just wish that all the decisions were made for you rightly? When this decision is your foundation, it will make you make right decisions. You will do for Jesus what you are supposed to do and you will not do what you are not supposed to do for Jesus. I think it was Wednesday, I don't remember now. I counseled with a friend. A couple hours talking about marriage. Whether or not to stay that way. I was counseling them, by the way. <laughs> and and, and it, it comes down to well, are you, are you a Christian? Because you, you, you don't get to make those decisions ha- haphazardly when you're a Christian. There, it's a, your decision's already made for you. I'm not my own. I was bought at a price. I now glorify God in my body, which is His. You're making decisions all week long, big ones reactionary ones. Ones that will either make you or break you. And Jesus says, hey, once you've got to found yourself in me, and if you got to give something up for me, you'll be able to do it. And you'll do it well. And if you want to take up your cross and follow me, you'll have no problem doing it. When I am indeed the Christ. This governs my whole life, by the way. i got a wife, i got three kids, i got a dog, I got a house. I got a couple cars. I got a responsibility here, and all day long I'm pressed. All day long pressures. All day long opportunities. People used to ask me. They still do. How long are you gonna be in Newport? What are you talking about? That's above my God moves me when He wants to move. Me. He'll open door. He does. I don't get to make those decisions. It's so fun. Pete. Jesus is helping the boys. He's now, contextually, he's transitioning. You won't see it here, but we'll notice it as we go on in weeks to come. He's moving from Galilee to Jerusalem. He's, he's going to start making his way now to a kind of a different flavor of ministry. And the boys didn't get it yet. So Jesus is praying hard. He's asking them, guys, who do you say that I am? Because what he's about to drop on them offends them deeply. I'm going to read it to you. Verse 21, he strictly warned and commanded them, tell this to no one. The timing wasn't right. (laughs) Our timing's never right. Isn't that true? (laughs) You know, like, well, you know, God knows. He's never been late. He knows what he's doing in your life too. Just, Just wait on him. And then he said in verse 22, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised the third day. Why these three things? By the way, the word must is circled in my Bible. Jesus wasn't just like, you know, checking the newspaper. Guys, I don't know if this is going to go well. The way I'm looking, I see things are going to get weird. You know, he said, no, no, I know what's happening. I must suffer. Must be rejected. Must be killed. Must raise from the, th- in the third day. Mu- oh, oh, G- remember what Peter does? He stands up, go, hey, 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 calm down, calm down. Calm down. I know this marketing guy at Zondervan, okay? We can go ahead and write this thing. We'll have a book publishing. We'll, we'll take this thing. Don't worry about all, I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. You need a bagel? You need a bagel. Obviously you need a bagel, you know. You're working too hard. You're working too hard. You're praying too hard. And, and, and he gets rebuked. You're, all, you're, you're mindful of the things of man, not God's word. How, how many of you guys are in God's word all the time, just like that, this is where you get your ideas? You funnel your mind through it? I got an idea. Well, you better just put it through the grid, okay? I, got, I, I think it's, the, okay, put it through the grid. Put it through the grid, Peter wasn't doing that. He didn't do that. He rejected, he bucked, he pushed back. Why did Jesus have to suffer? So you don't. Okay, you guys think grace is cheap? Isn't grace crazy? If you repent, if you ask for forgiveness, you, you won't be held accountable for your sins. What? That's gotta be illegal. Well, no, somebody was held accountable. Jesus suffered. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. Worse than anybody ever. There's nothing cheap about Grace. He must suffer. He didn't just die. It wasn't just a lethal injection. You're gonna feel a little pinch here, Jesus. You know. <laughs> no, no. Suffered. Like I said, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, the separation. He rejected. The stone that the builders rejected has been made the chief cornerstone. Prophecy said he would be rejected. By the by the by the inspectors. Killed. Taken upon his skin suit. Innocent, crucified for you in your skin suit who's not innocent. Raised from the dead on the third day. Beating sin and death, our greatest enemies. Now here's Peter, with Jesus. he loves Jesus. He's on Jesus' team. Jesus, this is so good. And Jesus, I want you to know what I'm doing because <laughs> I'm not doing what you think at all or what anybody thinks. I'm living for an eternity A world beyond here. And he goes on to then this next portion of scripture, which I'll read quickly, which is one of the most challenging scriptures you'll ever read. And again, I believe in the context, his voice raised. Get behind me, Say, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Do you think it's all here and now and this and only? Like those kids at the pool? This is it, we made it. Swim diapers, this is it. No, 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 there's more. There's more. And the Lord looks at us in our lives and says, There's more to come after here. Live here well, but don't live for here only. That's what he says. Verse 23. Then he said to them, If anyone desires to come after me, that's circled in my Bible, do you have that desire within your heart to come after Jesus? To really not not just be part of a social club or a cool church. Or to understand some Christmas theology. Do you really want to come after Jesus? Or are you just, just a taste tester? Or do you have an ulterior motive? Maybe you want Elijah's stuff and you want John the Baptist stuff or you want prophet stuff. You want, you want that. Jesus isn't interested. If anyone de- Here's what he says. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Yeah. To deny yourself, by the way, is not just saying no to the Doritos, okay? No to the Oreos. Nope, not gonna do that, I'm gonna deny myself. To truly deny yourself, this is fun. Is to get over yourself completely. It's not about me. It's really not about me. My past failures, I'm over it. My future successes and present workings, I'm over it. It's not about me. I'm denying myself in the equation of salvation. It's him and him alone. Wah-ha! To live is Christ and to die is gain. He must increase, I must decrease. I'm denying myself. Okay, for you high control people and you whatever people and overthinkers and all the rest, this is so fun. Deny yourself and take up your cross daily. Okay. Obviously, this is a metaphor. You can't die on the cross daily, kids. It just doesn't work that way. In those days, to take up a cross literally meant there's this is a one way trip. I'm not coming back. Okay. Crucifixion. We talk about the crucifixion, the cross with like, you know, flowery terms. Some people are wearing crosses today, and you guys know this was a barbaric execution in that day. If you were a Roman citizen, you were not allowed to be crucified. Can't crucify you. It's too barbaric. When Paul was executed, he wasn't crucified. He had his head cut off. It was more, more clean. But for the enemies of Rome, crucifixion. Crucifixion is an interesting way to die. Jesus said, I want you who are going to follow me, desire it. It's got to be good, cool. Get, get, get over yourself. Just deny yourself. And, have, and, and let's go. And then take up your cross daily, which is an association with me and a, and a thing that people would want to distance themselves from, the cross where you're laying down your own rights, where you're letting, did you know that Jesus didn't crucify himself? He, it had to happen to him. He had to relinquish his rights. Go, go with God's plan. As a matter of fact, there were two deaths on that weekend. You guys remember, one guy killed himself, Judas Iscariot. Jesus also was killed, but not by himself, but through surrender. You, you can shoot yourself, you can hang yourself, you can poison yourself, you can't crucify yourself. You notice that? I'm going to crucify myself today. No, no, that's not going to happen. And when he says crucify, when you take up the cross, it's you getting over yourself. I'm not talking abasement. You know, people like to really get down on their flesh and just get crazy. This is more of a love relationship with one who would do this first for you. Jesus had just said, I'm going to do all this, by the way. He'll never ask you to do what he wouldn't, do himself and what he wouldn't know is good for you and good for me deny yourself get over it by the way for you who are in the ministry right now or seeking to be a good mom or a dad or move forward in leadership in any way whatsoever okay do it do it and get over yourself while you do it it is so fun to just step into that role say, it's not about me i'm not it's not about i'm gonna i'm gonna follow jesus how by following jesus man I'm gonna get closer to him, it's not about me, and you get liberated, and I'm gonna deny myself, and I'm gonna let Jesus take my life and not live. And he goes on to say, and follow me, verse 23. Did you know that follow somebody, you have to constantly, and at the exact same time, say no to other things? Okay, you're, you're following something at any given time, at all times, hello, something. And to follow Jesus, you have to say no to your flesh, no, no to your thoughts, no to your past, no to the world, in order to follow him well here's my question for you. And I kind of am out of time, so I'm actually going to stop right there. We're going to pick up next week. I'll read, I'll read the rest to you, though. Verse 24, the warning comes in. For whoever desires to save his life, sounds good, right, noble? I'm trying to save my life. Trying to try, try make it count here. Jesus said, you will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake. You'll save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? It takes a while to figure this out, doesn't it? Yesterday one of my Facebook friends posted a photo of him and his best friend and his mom and dad. I know them all. They're in southern Oregon. And they're... Grandpa and great-grandpa and father passed away over the weekend. And as I saw the, my friends, I could see they were talking about somebody who just passed, who I also know. And as I saw the people in the photo, they're getting older too. And I could see kind of the, the, the joy, because they're all believers. And as you get older, you, you realize, whoa, 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 there's more to, this is, and you begin to become more heavenly-minded. You're you're at least allowed to be. Not everyone does. And wouldn't it be fun for younger people in the middle of, you know, trying to make a career and climb the ladder? Okay, do that. Knowing full well it's not about here. Soon this life will pass, and everything done for Christ, only things done for Christ will last. Don't seek to save your life here, okay? Live your life here. Do it, man. Run a business Grow a family. Go to the pool, change your swim diaper if you need to. Have fun, but Jesus said, I want you to follow me. Okay, I want you to get over yourself. I want you to take up your cross daily, which is a direct association. He goes on to say this another another warning. For whoever's ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly that there are some standing here who shall not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. I'm gonna have Cat come up and lead us in a communion song. I want you guys to really feel Jesus' emotion as he's ministering to his boys. And Peter says, no, it can't be that way. And Jesus stands up. Get behind me, Satan. You don't know what you're talking about, and but he doesn't leave him there, and he won't leave you here today wrong either. Instead, he gives a platform for repentance. He gives great warning, and he gives great blessing at the end. Right here, there's people that won't taste death before they see the coming of the kingdom of God. What? This would have been one of those real quiet sermons you sit through. It's like, Ugh, don't laugh. Uh, you know, we're in trouble. Uh, And yet Jesus says, hey, I'm like your dad. I'm taking you deeper. I love it when you figure stuff out. I love it when you're growing. I love it. You boys did so good feeding the 5,000. That was amazing. Got some questions for you now. Who do you say that I am? You're, you're You're the Christ of God. Good. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And then he goes on to say, what the kingdom of heaven is all about. That it's not just about here. Again, how many of you guys are living here right now? Me too. I'm here. I'm kind of stuck right now. But I'm not stuck without direction and instruction. If anyone desires to come after me, that's kind of the first, first real deal. Do you have a desire to be a Christian? I'm so glad you guys are here. So glad you found a church where I believe that the Bible is taught in a, in a way that changes lives. Where well, we're not just we're not just satisfied gathering and going. Doesn't do it for me. Don't want to do it. I want to gather and I want to grow. I want to change. I want to go from the shallow end to the deeper end. I want a desire to follow him. And he tells us how to do it. Just deny yourself, Luke. Just get over Luke for Shed, okay? Just just don't worry about him anymore. Just just follow me. Take up your cross. And let's go. Because this world doesn't have what you're really looking for. It's a fool's errand, it's not gonna do it. And only you know if you've bit into the bait, only you know if you have the things of the world. Only you know, I'm not gonna judge you. I'm actually gonna ask you bow your heads. Father, we're here studying your son's words, desiring to grow by them to be changed, to be set free and liberated. And if you're here this morning and and you just, you want to make sure that you know, 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 that you know. know. They were with Jesus for two years. You think they would have known, but Jesus knew they didn't know. Maybe you would humble yourself today and say, maybe I don't know. Maybe I have no clue. Maybe you want Jesus to be political. You want want the church to get involved. You want stuff to happen. You want more legislate, whatever. And Jesus would say, I am the Christ of God. That's what I'm gonna build my church on. And I want you to follow me. And I don't want you to be ashamed of my words. That is my message. I sit right with you I know the pull to blend in the pull to not be heavenly minded so if you're here this morning and you would just want to ask the Lord for help or to firm it up maybe you're doing great and you're sitting here saying yes Luke yes is so good this is so good and you're good thank you for loving Jesus but if you're here and you, you want to make sure that you know you have the right answer and that he is the Christ of God to you and that you can take up your cross daily and follow him and deny yourself, not be ashamed of his words, and you just want to make sure that that's what's going to happen next. Would you just raise your hand up just in humility? Humble yourself. Peter didn't get it right. He was called Satan that day. Just humble yourself if you want to just do it right. Lord, I just, Lord, just maybe even raise your hand up right now, believers, if you just want the Lord to check you. Lord, you just check me out. Just check me out. Check my business out. Check Check my marriage out. Just check me out. Make sure I'm good. I want to do it right. Lord. I don't want to do it for here. I want to be effective down here. I want to be a game changer. I want to be a participant. I want to bless people. I want to bless your kingdom. Use everything I got. And the Lord has given 10 talents to some, and five to others, and two. And he said, invest. Go do it, but do it for my kingdom. Just raise your hand if you let the Lord check your heart. Maybe even raise your hand if you want the Lord just to help you make decisions. Lord, I want to make good decisions. I want to make God decisions. Lord, this church needs to make decisions. we got some decisions coming up. What's your will? We love you. We want you to tell us, Lord, what's going on. And we surrender to you, Lord, for all things considered, body, mind, and spirit. Things of eternity and forever and things of now and just the pressures. We surrender to you. We accept you as the Christ of God. That is it. Help us to follow you, to deny ourselves, and to take up the cross daily. As we come to the table, you can put your hands down. As we come to the table and commune, Lord, we do so, examining ourselves, knowing that we are the ones who've been saved, need to be saved, have been saved. This is believers' communion for those who have given their lives to Jesus and trust in him and have gotten over themselves. We celebrate you, proclaiming your death until you return. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Receive our worship now as we commune and sup together with you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.